I'm joined today by Ken Brockhart of Burgundy Asset Management, co-fund manager of the Greater European Fund. Ken, in the past when you've spoken to us, you've talked about how you look at the macroeconomic picture through your companies rather than as an overall view. Could you perhaps describe that process and perhaps how you're thinking about emerging markets in today's world? The slowdown in emerging markets, I think that's a good example. It's a good way to ask it. It hasn't changed our thinking uh, about the stocks in the portfolio, although it has created a short-term headwind uh, on fundamentals. Um, uh, with, with our companies, if, if they're euro-based companies or pound-based companies and they have uh, substantial sales in some emerging markets, they take a foreign exchange hit on that translationally in the meantime. Uh, whether that mean reverts or not, I, I don't have a strong opinion, but if you look under that though, in emerging markets, it's still a very high organic growth opportunity. Um, you know, a lot of our companies, maybe they were growing at 12, 12%, 11% before, and now they're growing at 8 um, it, it, So it's still one of their highest growth areas, uh, although the, the foreign exchange is a bit of a hit, uh, I think, in the short term. Ken, the portfolio today exclusively holds developed market stocks. In the future, could you possibly see yourself holding emerging market equities? It's, it, that's a bit of a, it's a consequence of our, our bottom-up process. I, I haven't found that uh, the companies in some of the, the fringe markets of Europe have actually been very good value of the types of companies we're looking at. So, so we have a dream team list of companies that meet our quality criteria. And we've spent more time actually in the last few years than previously in Spain, in Italy, uh, and looking there. And um, the companies that meet our quality criteria um, have actually been more expensive, uh, had more expensive multiples than the portfolio on average. Uh, we've been kind of hoping that the baby would be thrown out with the bathwater and there'd be some mouthwatering opportunities for a really good global franchise, whether it's a smaller business or a larger business, but a really good global business that, that's headquartered, say, in Spain, uh, that, that sells off uh, aggressively uh, b because of the macro views about Spain, but we, we didn't really see that happen in a dramatic way. Um, so it's, it's not really a top-down decision. We, I'm not making a decision that I want this to be predominantly a developed uh, Northwestern European fund. Uh, it, it's just bottom up where, where the companies have, have led us. Ken, in the past you've talked to us about your dream team companies. Could you explain if some of those have come back into focus over the past year? The dream team is quite expensive right now and just to frame it, our portfolio has a PE ratio on average of around 16 times, which is, is quite reasonable. The, the dream team on average has a PE ratio of almost 23 times earnings. Um, and if you look at the distribution of that, only 13% of the companies, of those 90 companies on our dream team, are at a PE ratio below the portfolio average. Um, only a third are at a PE ratio below our most expensive company we hold. Um, so as far as new ideas coming off the dream team, uh, th there's not much now. We, we need. We, we need a company to stub its toe or we need a, an event in the market that we'd then capitalize on. But at the moment, uh, uh, I, I don't foresee an imminent change. Uh, but, but I am quite happy. If you look at the quality and the value of what we own, I, I, think, I think we continue to hold um, a, you know, a, por a portfolio that's very high quality at reasonable value. Not as cheap as it once was, but at reasonable value. And when one of your dream team stocks stubs its toe, how do you differentiate between a stubbed toe and a broken foot? That's the question. Uh, and, and, and what we do, just because a company's on the dream team and we know it well, when the stock falls to an attractive price, 
doesn't mean we automatically go buy it. Uh, if there's some major events that happen in a company that's on our dream team that makes the stock cheap, the first thing we do is really dig in based on that new information and come to the judgment of whether that's a temporary event or it might be a longer-term inflection point. And, and it's a judgment call based on talking to management, studying similar situations that might have happened like that in the past, uh, whether, you know, whether it's just looks like market share loss temporarily, whether there's some type of personnel disruption. There can be various things that would constitute a stub toe or potentially a broken foot. But um, um, that is the key thing on our minds. Will the past performance of this company that, that makes it a good company, will it go back to normal? Will it revert to mean? Or is there a temporary change? And, and a lot of our work goes around that. And sometimes we'll conclude that, that maybe there is a change and maybe we should stand back and see how it plays out. Um, you know, and, and other times we'll conclude, no, it looks quite temporary and this is a great opportunity to buy. Perhaps you could talk about a few examples of why you've sold stock in the past year. Um, IMI and Publicis would be great examples for you to talk through, please. In short, both of them were a good example of that valuation-based selling, where, where in IMI's case, it, it, it hit our intrinsic and even surpassed a bit, um, and we completely sold IMI. So that, that, and, and that, you know, that was a company where really like the, we really like the underlying businesses, uh, some of them especially, like Severe Service. Um, the, the severe service segment. We, we really liked the management team. And there was a management change too. Martin Lamb uh, moved on and he, he's, uh, we think he was an excellent executive that took IMI, you know, 10, 15 years ago from being, you know, quite a mediocre business. Uh, and, and he really focused on watering the flowers and pulling the weeds, so to speak, and, you know, concentrated on their great businesses and made it into, a, a, I think, quite a high-quality company. But we, we got to a valuation where I think we got, we got paid for that. That great CEO chose to move on. And, you know, the replacement seems quite competent. His plan makes sense, but, but it, that's an uncertainty that, that, that we'll watch. And he also did divest the last business we would have characterized as, as non-core. Um, so, so we kind of got the benefit of that. Um, Publicis... That was just a trim. Publicis we still view as having margin of safety. However, because it had done quite well, it became quite a, a large weight. And the valuation is good, but it's not exceptional. It, 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 it's okay, but it's, I wouldn't characterize it as cheap. And I just thought that it was more appropriate to have a smaller weight rather than leaving that quite large weight that it had run to. And when we last interviewed you on SJP TV, Ken, um, you talked about why you held healthcare stocks in your portfolio. Can you describe how they fared in the past year? Yeah, so healthcare is still, it's, it's, it's roughly a similar weight. Um, if anything, we've added a little bit. Um, we've had a chance to add a bit more to Glaxo uh, and Novartis uh, on weakness. Um, my view of the pharma companies, the, the, the value, it, it's, it's one of few sets of companies in these markets where you've got a quality business with high margins, high returns on capital, that's still trading at quite a reasonable valuation multiple. You know, you know, they, they kind of range between you know 14 to 16 times earnings with with quite attractive dividend yields. And I also think fundamentally, the opportunity is asymmetric to the upside. Um, and and, and it, what I mean there is. A big controversy with pharma companies has been the patent cliffs. And the last few years, there, there, there has been that issue to work through. It's part of the reason they became so inexpensive and we had the chance to buy them. Um, 
for the most part, those, the biggest parts of the patent cliff have been worked through. And I think we're also at a point where the innovation output or the pipelines have been below normal. And I think there's very long-term trends of innovation in the pharma industry. And you know, I think we're coming off a low of that innovation cycle and it could get better. Um, and pharma companies are great business models. You, know, you have natural moats with patent protection. So if you innovate uh, and you do the right thing for patients, uh, you get good pricing and you make good margins. One of the sectors that has rallied particularly strongly in the last year is financials, of which you were underweight. Could you perhaps describe how you're thinking about financials today? Yeah, yeah I, first of all, I, we, I, I don't look at index weights. We, we are very bottom up. Um, so I don't, I don't really think in any area really whether I'm overweight or underweight. Um, I, I think about do we own a portfolio where we have investment theses that aren't all correlated. That, that's the way I, I'll come at it. But So I don't really think about that. I don't even know the numbers offhand, but I know that banking is a big weight in Europe. And my, my answer to that would be most banks don't meet our quality criteria. Now, we are value investors. I like the contrarian idea that there are a lot of problems in the sector, so therefore there might be some bargains. But our quality side of things makes us quite discerning on, on deciding which ones we think we know well enough to invest in. So we've got a pretty high bar on whether we think a company is too hard to understand. So a lot of them I've considered you know, too hard. Um, what we do own, we, we own companies like Deutsche Borsa, um, which earns high 40s EBIT margins, even arguably at a depressed time like this. Um, it's more of a fee-based business. Some of it's a bit cyclical because of transactions, but part of it, Clearstream, which is their second biggest division, Clearstream makes their revenue off a fixed fee on percentage of bond assets in custody. Very stable. Um, so that, and you don't need much capital employed to run an exchange. Um, it's not a big balance sheet financial that's highly cash generative, high return on capital. That's more our type of thing. So we like some financials, we just pick our type of them. And you know, whether we're over underweight is it's more of an accident um, than, than something conscious. And finally, Ken, what would you say to those investors concerned that equity markets may have plateaued? I say this is a market to be more discerning than ever. Be discerning what managers you pick, and you want your managers to be discerning on what companies they pick. And, and the way I'm trying to deal with a market that I think there's, there's a number of areas where there are overvalued stocks is stick to your quality criteria. You don't want to compromise on quality, but at the same time, you have to make sure you continue to own things where the valuations are reasonable. And, and we, we use this concept called margin of safety. We're making sure that we continue to own companies that are trading below our conservative estimate of their intrinsic value. Ken Brokart, thank you very much. You're welcome. Thank you. Any views and opinions expressed are solely those of the individuals and are subject to change. Where individual securities are mentioned, they do not necessarily represent a specific portfolio holding and do not constitute a recommendation to purchase or sell. Please be aware that past performance is not indicative of future performance. The value of an investment may fall as well as rise and you may get back less than you invested. Returns on equities cannot be guaranteed. Equities do not provide the security of capital characteristic of a deposit with a bank or building society.